You are now listening to the Do Something Good Today podcast brought to you by Everybody's Juice, a podcast reminding you to do something good today for your body, mind, or soul. Are you having trouble sleeping, fatigue, and low energy getting the best of you every day? From time to time, it's good to give your body a rest from the stresses of everyday life. We can't control everything, but we can control what we put in our mouths. You might want to try Juice Cleanse from Everybody's Juice, offering three, five, and seven-day juice cleanses with organic fruit and vegetables. A cleanse from Everybody's Juice is a good way to give your digestive system a break so your body can heal and repair itself quickly. Feed yourself pure nutrition that your body can absorb immediately. Help your liver and kidneys detoxify your body. Give your body what it needs to slim down and have more energy. Participating in a cleanse helps you break old, bad food habits such as eating out of boredom, eating too much junk food, etc. By going on a juice cleanse, you give yourself the opportunity to start fresh and reset your body. All our cleanses come with a guide that prepares you before, during, and after the cleanse. If it's your first time, we know that the thought of a cleanse can be a little intimidating. Our cleanse program is designed so that the during is just as enjoyable as the after. Each juice in our cleanse is specifically created to nourish the body while flushing out toxins. Whether you are a newbie, amateur, or pro, give it a try and your body will love you for it. Go to everybodysjuice.com and use code EJUICE20 to take $20 off your first juice cleanse. We are back with another episode of the Do Something Good Today podcast brought to you by Everybody's Juice. Another special episode today. We're tapping right back into wealth, building generational wealth, sustaining generational wealth. We have an episode about real estate today, all things real estate. I think a lot of things that get misconstrued, a lot of people want to know the difference between, you know, retail and investments, and it's totally different. And I brought a a gentleman in who's very knowledgeable about the aspect of real estate, Christian Harris, a guy who, you know, we've been in contact with each other for a while, man, uh, admiring each other's hustles from afar. And thank you, bro. I definitely appreciate you for coming on. Absolutely, absolutely. What's up, everybody? My name is Christian Harris. Thank you, Nash, for having me on. <clears throat> like you said, we've been admiring each other for quite some time. It's been about six years, for real, for real. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, yeah, it's uh, been a long time. Man. I've seen Nash grow, you know what I mean? From from one podcast to one business to another business to now another podcast. So it's great to be here, man. Appreciate the So let's get right into it, man. Like I said, this conversation is going to be a little different. So today, not only are we going to discuss real estate and all the opportunities that come with it, but we're going to be discussing, you know, generational wealth and using real estate as a key to generate generational wealth. So, you know, we hear a lot about generational wealth, but, you know, what does it mean? What does it really mean? And how do we get the tools to actually obtain it? Because I think that's like the that's the missing component. I think when people are looking at generational wealth, they think it's just a one quick fix thing and it's not that simple. So let's get right into it. You know, with the many facets of real estate, what are the different ways that one can enter the real estate market? So uh, just to touch on what you said about um, some of these hot button topics, one of them being generational wealth. A lot of people talk about it because it's more of a buzzword, Mm -hmm. but in my opinion, um, in today's day and age, like the way to build generational wealth is more so coming with the plan, right? A lot of people don't 
have the knowledge or if they have the knowledge, they don't necessarily have the plan to execute and follow through. So I would say that first and foremost, you know, um, a lot of people can um, build generational wealth through real estate. Uh, just depends on how you're approaching it. And like I said, your long term game plan. Um, m- most people want that quick flip. That's why wholesaling is so cool right now. That's why um, being a, a realtor is, is a great aspect, but also people are interested in like the fix and flips and things of that nature. But if you want generational wealth in real estate, there's no other strategy besides buy and hold. Okay. So how did you get your first taste into the market? Man, it was about uh, 2019. I was just trying to figure things out. I had just got a, uh, a business development job at a technology company, and um, I was basically just on the phones all day, you know, cold calling, cold emailing, reaching out to people, setting up appointments for my manager to kind of close business. We ended up generating like a good 100000 in business for that first month I was there. Oh, wow. They were only expecting me quarter, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, cool. I got a good aspect of what's going on here. But <clears throat> at the same time, I wasn't super fulfilled with that. So um, I remember the day, it was uh, September 21st, uh, 2019. Uh, somebody that uh, we might mutually follow, but her name is Tara on um, uh, Twitter, Phoenix Tara yeah, Nova. Yeah. Um, she actually put out this site called uh, For Stackers Only. And I was just checking it out. You know, she was in that wealth Twitter space. So I was just kind of seeing what was going on. And I already saw people talking about uh, wholesale checks. Like people were flashing checks on the timeline, like 50,000 hit, 10,000 hit, 20,000 hit. I was like, okay, you know what I mean? I want to see what's going on with this. So luckily uh, with Tara's website, she actually had a couple links in there. And uh, one of the links was to uh, the Flipman. The Flipman is a a real estate guru on YouTube that actually gives out tons and tons and tons of free information about wholesale real estate, like how to start from the bottom, how to, um, you know, pick a market, how to pull leads, how to uh, analyze your deal, how to um, close with the seller, but also like what kind of contract you need, how to work with the title company and things of that nature. And I'm telling you, bro, like no bullshit. I was locked in that entire night. You know what I mean? Like as soon as I watched one video, I was like, nah, I'm writing down the play everything. You know what I mean? And then um, that next week I actually pulled some leads and, um, I was on the phones and then I realized when I was on the phones, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was just kind of winging it, you know, yeah. like, Hey, uh, my name's Christian. I didn't even have a company name for real. You know what I mean? So I was just winging it for a hot second. And then as time progressed, it, I'm not going to lie. You know, a lot of people will see, uh, people talk about getting their wholesale deal pretty quickly. I didn't get mine fast. It really took me a good six, uh, six, seven months to get it. But throughout that time, it built a lot of resolve in me, you know, and I really just believed it could work. You know, I knew for a fact that this worked. And if I didn't make it work, it was on me, not the actual like uh, system or anything like that. So if I wanted this to work, I needed to adjust, not have it adjust to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like really, really taking uh, my time to study my craft, uh, whether it be my marketing strategies, how, how I'm talking to sellers. How I'm using my words, how I'm positioning my deals, how I'm um, talking to my buyers, you know, how I'm sending out these deals to buyers. I want to stand out completely. So uh, over time, like I said, I started in September. Um, I got serious in about November. And then um, I didn't get my first deal until about April. And then um, after uh, my first deal in April was for 30K. Um, at that point in time, like I I had my proof of concept. Is that profit 30K or is that? Is that profit? So when it works, 
when it works with, with a wholesale deal, all we're doing is uh, pushing paper, right? So I'm getting a property under contract and then I'm selling that contract to a buyer. That buyer can do whatever they want to do with that deal. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's on them. But at that point in time, I'm exiting um, the, the deal with my uh, assignment contract from the with the buyer and then they pay me an assignment fee and then at that point in time i bow out and then whatever the buyer does with the deal they do with the deal so for example uh that was an omaha i got the deal on their contract for uh 175 it was worth about <clears throat> it was worth about 280 290 mm -hmm. and i actually sold the contract for uh 205 okay. i didn't have much work to do it was more of a turnkey property turnkey meaning um it's ready for somebody to actually live in without doing any repairs. If any type of repairs need to be done, it's more of what they call a lipstick repair, something that's cosmetic. Mm -hmm. So it's like paint or, um, you know, changing uh, like a window or something right. like that, maybe change appliances, you know, small things under like $10,000. That's typically like a lipstick repair. Okay. So this is what this was. I, I sold it to the buyer for, you know, 205 through the assignment contract. It was crazy because they didn't think I was like a real person because I didn't have a website. I didn't <laughs> have like a, a dot, um, a dot com. You know, my, my company was called uh, Landmark mm -hmm. Capital, so, uh, landmarkcapital.com email. You know what I mean? So they were very, very skeptical. I had to talk to the lawyer, yeah. you know, like, it was like <laughs> really trying to pass all my information, all that stuff. So it, it got, yeah. it got real, but it was worth it, you know? And then after that, um, I started building my system. I started hiring in-house training people, started giving my in-house people deals and, you know, it was kind of off and running. And, and you're doing this full time, correct? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, okay. at the time, like I, I had a job with the technology company, and I got fired uh, February twenty first of twenty twenty, right before the pandemic. So I didn't have anything going on. And um, as soon as like all that stuff happened, it's not like I could really go out and get another job or anything like that. So I put all my focus into real estate March twenty twenty one. Uh, March twenty twenty. Okay, got it. So what? Four times. So let's so let's so let's backtrack a little bit. I know you stated that when you first dived into it, you didn't have like a formal company name, email, things like that. The business structure wasn't set up. Is that process difficult to get going? No, no, not at all. And to be honest with you, like you really don't need your business structure set up to go get um, like a wholesale deal. You could close it in your name. Now, I would, wouldn't advise that because they're going to tax you like an individual person. Okay. So you're going to get hit. Like, let's say you close a deal for 20K. You're going to get hit. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's better to structure your company and then move, uh, put yourself as an employee as opposed to moving as an owner. Because then, like a lot of people will say, business owners have a hard time getting like insurance or getting loans approved and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But they're just not setting up their business the right way. You know, you can be the owner, but you can also be an employee and get a check. And that that means you got a W two, and that you can show all that stuff to. Uh, uh, you know, banks and, you know, get loans and things of that nature. So setting up your business structure is super, super important. So getting your LLC, getting your EIN number and making sure you're moving correctly with the bank account and separating yourself because that corporate veil is very, very important as you move forward. In real estate, people will, like I, like I said on my first deal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I talked to a lawyer. Um, in real estate, you'll have those types of conversations. So you want to make sure that you're, um, you're, you're protected. A limited liability company is going to protect you from that liability. It's limited, but that full liability on you could be ridiculous. Right. You know, they could come 
house, your car, everything. But as opposed to having that limited liability, that corporate veil, that's going to make it uh, they're suing the company as opposed to suing you, the individual. So that's super important. Okay. Got it. So what what makes a good deal? I mean, we hear this we hear this term all the time, like when uh, the big wigs are talking about specific properties that they buy, whether it's a single family or multi unit. They always use it's a bad deal, it's a good deal, and it's never like one fit. You know, it's 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 really intricate. So what what makes a good deal? That's a that's a great question. Uh, honestly, when I when I hire people, I tell them like one of the biggest skills that you'll have to learn in this industry is deal discernment. What's a deal? You know, like what does it look like? Um, you know, what kind of money? What kind of return on investment are you getting? So it just depends on one the buying strategy. Uh, if you actually are in in real estate or you're aspiring to be in real estate, one big way to differentiate people who are serious or people who are kind of perpetrating is having a buying criteria. Anybody that actually has a buying criteria, you know that they're actively either looking or have bought before or are buying currently. Uh, buying criteria means they know exactly what they want. Uh, zip codes, location is super, super important. So they'll be specific about zip codes. They'll be specific about the type of house. They might say a ranch style home. They might say two stories. They might say they're looking for a uh, 100 unit multifamily property. They might say, I'm looking for only uh, four plexes, things like that, that they're super, super specific about. Um, so you understand what they're looking for. So depending on somebody's buying criteria, that's why the uh, what's a good deal, what's not a good deal is so broad because it just depends on what people are buying. But I will say this, um, there's a term in real estate called buying right, meaning um, you have to buy the property with X amount of equity left so that you uh, are, are always protected. Like, for example, on HGTV, you know, people always see like a black mold pops up or when they're like doing the demolition extra things pop up like okay this wire is here we wanted to move this pillar over here but this is the main pillar of the house and if we knock this down it's going to knock down the whole foundation of the house so now we got to rearrange everything and adjust our budget adjust our time frame that costs money you're paying your contractors supplies all that type of stuff and plus your end game right if you're trying to flip that property you have um more time to get to your end game so you're spending more money to get to that point of even recouping your money uh, initially so buying right is a sense of buying with enough equity left in the property let's say for example a property is worth a hundred thousand dollars you want to buy that property somewhere around seventy thousand dollars why because you're going to have thirty thousand dollars in equity left there's a term called loan to value it's a bank term basically banks use it to gauge how much they're going to loan uh, on a property, like a, whether it be a, a traditional, like a, a conventional loan, FHA, VA loan, or whether it be like a hard money loan or something like that. It's a, it's a way to kind of calculate what the property is worth and how much we can give somebody for that property. Banks use this to protect themselves because once they get this asset, they need to make sure that they're, uh, excuse me, once they're loaning out money for an asset, they need to make sure that they can recoup. So they want to make sure that there's equity left in that property. So they're only going to loan you out X amount. So it could be 75% loan to value, meaning 75% of, of the property's value. So there's 25% equity left. It could be 80%, just depends on like the lender. 
Uh, some lenders only do like 60%, uh, 65%, 70%. So it just depends. But that would 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 be what I say is uh, buying right, which would equal it a, a good deal. As long as you buy it right, you have equity in it, and you have a solid um, disposition strategy, exit strategy, then mm -hmm. it's a solid deal. But you got to just know what you're doing, know what you're looking for, and knowing how you're going to get out of it. So I had a conversation with someone, he's a, he's a real estate investor, this was last week, and he, he stated that buying single family homes are a bad investment. He said you should never buy a single family home, especially when you're in your first two to three years of getting into real estate, because he said the value of it just isn't, it isn't there as opposed to getting a duplex, uh, multiple units. Even a mobile home. He said a mobile home is even more of a, a better investment than a single family home. I'm interested to know what are your thoughts on that? So meaning like straight investment, right? Like you're not living in it is something that you're putting money into to right. get a return on. Okay. Um, I yep. can kind of see what he's saying. Um, it depends on your exit strategy. That's the most important thing. So like, let's say, for example, uh, you want to get a, a, a single family property that you want to flip. I think that's way more advantageous than trying to get into a, an apartment complex or a multifamily property that you want to flip. You know what I mean? That's a little harder. It's a little more money up front. Um, those are a little more difficult to find as well. Um, mobile, mobile, mobile homes, uh, I would say those are more... A lot of people make a lot of money on mobile homes. I'm not going to hold you. I, I follow a couple people on Twitter. Uh, Lyle McFly, he be killing it on, uh, with his mobile homes. You know what I mean? Um, that's just kind of his bread and butter. So I would say it's all situational, bro. <laughs> because at the end of the day, when, when it comes to real estate, there's so many sectors. There's so many disposition strategies. Like, for example, there's people doing wholesale. There's people doing fix and flip. There's people doing buy and hold. There's people doing hotel. There's people doing uh, just creative financing. There's people just buying land. There's people just buying multifamily properties. There's people just buying commercial. There's people only buying single family properties. They're all winning. They're all winning. So honestly, it doesn't matter. A lot of people have their preferences, um, but it's just about like what works best for you, what works best for your budget, and work, what works best for your uh, exit exit strategy, your disposition strategy at the end of the day. So you know, okay. I could I could shit on mobile homes all day. I, I really don't like the residential side of like dealing with clients and you know sellers and things of that nature because on the single yeah. family side, those are very very difficult. Um, sellers to convert you know what i mean but on the multifamily side if you could talk to them if you can get their information it's a lot easier conversation depending on how you position yourself so each one has their own like little tidbits and little issues but at the end of the day bro they all make money okay just gotta get in where you fit in pretty much thanks okay so this leads me to my next question can you explain the difference between a wholesale buyer and a retail investor because i think you know Sometimes the lines can get misconstrued with this, with those two. Um, so can you break it down so that people can really understand the difference? Absolutely. Um, let's go back to that um, that bank term, loan to value. So a, a real like a, a real estate investor that's like buying off market properties, like that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. That's the biggest thing. You know, we can just take a step back from there. On market and off market. Retail is going to be more than likely an on market buyer. On market meaning they went through a realtor. And that realtor went on MLS and looked for that property. 
An off-market property means um, it's a property that was never listed. Sometimes these sellers uh, never considered selling. You know, we reached out to them and we inquired to them directly as opposed to them um, saying, hey, my house is for sale. Now, the difference between those two, <clears throat> the, the uh, real estate investor and a retail buyer, the real estate investor is buying for an investment, a return on his investment. The retail buyer more than likely is buying that property to live in it. So okay. be there for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. They might live out that entire mortgage. That real estate investor, he's trying to get his dollar flipped in the next five to 10 years. You know what I mean? So um, mm -hmm. they're going to buy differently. That retail investor, oh, that's that's my home. You know, I'm going to live there for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I'll pay an extra 20000 I'll pay an extra 60000 I'll pay an extra 100000 for that house because I want to live in it. My wife wants to live in it. I got the money. I'm going to spend it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, a real estate investor. I'm not bidding. You know, like my price, like, uh, back to the LTV example, my price is 75% of the value. So I can make mm -hmm. that, uh, make my return off that 25% equity. If I, if I got to spend 76% of the value, I don't want it. Cause it's not it's not about the I'm gonna live here or I see my kids growing up here. It's about the dollar at that point in time. So they're looking for the deal. They're looking uh the investor is looking for a deal. The retail buyer is looking for a home to live in. Okay, got it. So when we talk about the different type of loans that you can you know use to purchase property, so you know you got the two hundred three Ks, you have your FHAs, uh, your conventionals. Um, what else am I missing? You have your VA, depending on, you know, if you're ex-military or served in some type of, you know, Navy or Air Force capacity. What I'm asking is that for retail investors, are they allowed to use these type of loans as well to purchase properties like this? Or do they have to go like the, you know, the cash route or, you know, the hard money lender route? So um, the, the problem with investing with these um, traditional conventional loans, they have a lot of stipulations. So like, for okay. example, my mom is in the military. She has the opportunity to use her VA loan. She has to live in that property for at least five years. Mm, she can't okay. just buy it, flip it, and, and move on from it. One, she has to either live in it or that has to be her primary residence, right? So like... That's the type of stipulation that, that FHA, uh, 203s, and Fannie Mae's have. Um, you have to live in these properties. That's really why retail buyers buy the way they do, because they're buying to live in it. So it's hard to be a retail investor. To be honest with you, it's almost like an oxymoron. They're like competing ideals. Because uh, buying at retail, you can't really make your return on investment. Like, for example, you see a lot of, like, with... with 2021, a lot of people were doing bidding wars for their properties. So um, you were seeing 60000 over, 50000 over. But if I'm buying a property at Crazy. Mac, right, it's worth two twenty. dollars It's worth two twenty, dollars and I'm buying it for two eighty. dollars I'm already under underwater. Now I'm waiting on my equity to kind of catch up and, and yeah. save me, but I'm already underwater. How would I turn around and flip that property and make a return on investment without the equity? You can't. So being a retail investor is difficult. You kind of have to play a different game. That's why people like house hacking, for example. That's one of the most um, influential things out right now. It's like um, 
basically getting a multifamily property and you living in a piece of it. So let's say so a, a fourplex. You live in one of those uh, one of those units, and then you mm -hmm. rent out the rest of the units. Those units ideally will pay for the mortgage payment. Sometimes they'll put a little bit of money in your pocket, depending on the situation. Like for example, I was just talking to my barber, and I was letting him know like he's ready to buy a house, right? He's um, in the position, he knows his time frame, like setting his ducks in a row. Right. So I was telling them like, hey, you know, you got X amount. Why don't you put that money into uh, an actual apartment building? You buy an apartment building with a conventional loan, and then you live in one of those. You know, mm -hmm. boom, you already kind of knocked out that stipulation. You live in one of those, and then you have, let's say, 10 to 15 units that are paying the mortgage and right. paying you. That's, I That's ideal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's things like that that you kind of want to look out for. Like we talked about earlier at the beginning. Uh, building um, generational wealth, that's a start of building generational wealth. You live in this thing that's going to pay off everything and put money into your pocket. So now once it's paid off and you move out, it's still putting money in your pocket. And it's all green at that point in time. You already paid off the loan. It's yours. That money stays in your family for X amount of years. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you sustain that that's a whole different question right yeah. right that's a whole different ball game right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what are the overhead costs because i mean when we hear about you know whole status is i mean not whole state wholesale it's a, it's a it's sexy you know people paint it to be really really sexy it's really lucrative but no one talks about the overhead cost that's you know associated with getting into this this part of real estate can you explain what the overhead cost is and how costly it really can be because the cost of bread to any business is is difficult so yeah people need to understand that i would say one of the biggest things okay so the upfront costs buying leads figuring out how you're going to analyze your deals whether you're using prop stream batch lead services whatever you know figuring out how you're going to analyze deals you can do it for free on zillow just depends on how you're doing it right mm -hmm. so pulling your leads Having a CRM or something to organize your leads, because you can use the spreadsheet if you want, you're going to be pretty confused, or unless you're really, really good at those types of things, you know? Um, also, utilizing your skills, like the things that you're already good at, that's really, really key. Um, so, pulling leads, uh, where you're going to analyze deals at, you know, making sure your uh, your leads are organized as well. And then, um, I would suggest an auto-dialer. I've called people, cold called people myself, like dialing on the phone, and I used to make 100 calls an hour, maybe like 60 to 75. It sucks. It sucks. It's not efficient. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. really, really boring. It's, it's arduous. So getting an auto dialer will not only speed up your process, it'll actually help you stay in the game longer. So pulling leads, analyzing deals, a place to organize your leads, and an auto dialer. Those four things to start. You know what I mean? And I would say, depending on what you use, you probably would need like around $1,000 to start. Okay. Um, when I initially got started, I was probably at like right around 500. I just pulled some leads, uh, got on Podio, and then um, started making calls. At the time, I didn't know about PropStream. I was using Zillow to kind of uh, analyze my deals and things of that nature. So, um, yeah. Then, so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, then I would say there's a learning curve that you have to pay for, right? right. There's uh, when I train people, I tell them you have to make about a thousand 
to 2,000 calls before you can even get comfortable. Mm. So uh, if you have your auto dialer, you're making 100 calls um, a day. You know, you can make more. It could be 200 if you have the three, four hours to make those type of calls. But with an auto dialer, you set it aside two hours a day. You can make 100, 100 calls a day easy. So that's 10 days of calls, 10 to 20 days of calls. Now, depending on how many leads you buy at first, leads can be very expensive. Me, I know where to get leads, right? So I can get 10,000 leads for $300. But if you're just starting out, you don't know where to get those. You know what I mean? Right. You don't really have that, that, um, that knowledge. So for example, me, right? I get 10,000 leads for $300. On batch, um, batch leads, they'll sell you, like literally just skip tracing your leads, not even buying them, just skip tracing your leads. It's 15 uh, cents per lead. So if you got 2,000 leads, you do the math. Now you gotta buy those leads from somewhere. It could be, um, it could be PropStream. It could be, I forget the other ones. I don't, it doesn't matter. There's a couple of them. All you have to do is look them up. I think it's like Langlide. I don't remember. I don't really buy my leads like that anymore. So it's kind of lost me. But anyway, you buy your leads from one of these lead source sites and then you get them skip trace, right? So that's two different costs. So at the whole point, you might spend 500 and you might have 4,000 leads, right? So that's your 1,000 of runway that you got to burn through and then that's 3,000 more that you could possibly get a deal from. So maybe you don't get a deal in those first 1,000. Okay, cool. That's another $500 you got to pay. Then the monthly for the um, Podio, the monthly for the uh, phone burner or whatever uh, auto dollar you use. Mm -hmm. And boom, you know, now you're probably about a $1,000 in. For, for two months of working, you know, depending on how you work it. Could be a little more, could be a little less. But I would suggest two, th two months would be probably around 1000 to $1,500. So realistically, you need some money to get into this, but you also need money for your runway of learning how to get into this. Because remember, I said, I didn't get my first deal for six months. Right. You know what I mean? So like, you got to keep this thing going. If you believe in it, you got to figure out a way to kind of keep it, keep it moving. So... Um, time, the time investment, bro, you got to put it in, you know what I mean? Because regardless of, um, like your schedule and all that, if you can't make calls for three hours a day, every single day, don't even try. It's not even worth it because you making calls for 30 minutes and you calling four or five people and maybe one person answers a week, you're going to kill your dream. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. like, oh, this doesn't work. Uh, you know. These people are lying. They're all scammers. Yada yada. yada. <laughs> Next thing you know, you, you uh, downplaying uh, wholesaling, and meanwhile, people are running million dollar wholesale operations. So, so what kept you motivated? Because you said that it took you six or seven months to get to to land your first deal. Most people they they can't process that. You know, I think most people when they get into business, they think it's just supposed to pop like that because the idea sparked in their head, and it's just like no. Like, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, it, it happens to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mike got his ass kicked. Kobe got his ass kicked. Bron got his ass kicked. Brady got his ass it, it, it happens. Like, it's, it's no way you can go around the ass beatings. Like, it's going to happen. So how did you stay motivated and, you know, driven throughout this entire process? Dog, when I tell you it's all mindset, like, winning is all mindset at the end of the day, it is. Because if... There's nothing positive, you know, like there's no real indicators to say, hey, you're doing good, man. Like you're on your way to a deal. Like, oh, you're hitting this milestone. You hit that milestone. You're on your way to a deal. None of that shit. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I emptied my bank accounts on pulling out leads and stuff like that. I quit my job because I was like, okay, this is the month. I'm finna get my I'm finna get my deal. You know, let me motivate myself. <laughs> and it didn't happen. I had to crawl back to the job. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Bro, I believed in it. No bullshit. Like uh, that night, uh September twenty first, I was like, yo, this is it. Like I found a way to get some real money to turn this shit up. So I'm I'm gonna make sure this works. It's all mindset, bro. Like stick to itiveness. Like I didn't want to quit, and if I did quit, I would have had egg on my face. And I'm not playing that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find out the right people to add to your team? Because Ooh. that's an interesting dynamic when you're when you're getting into business for yourself and. You're trying to have that discernment to know who's right, who's not, who's the people that you need. They are right, but you just need to push them a little bit more so they can get in tune with with exactly what you need. That's difficult. So how would you, you know, develop that process? So um, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. It is an everyday thing. Like with the company I have now, I like I, um, I run a cleaning company a cleaning service and um i hire all these people and every day like i'm just like bro how how do i make sure this is the right person you know like when i'm hiring and stuff like that mm -hmm. so it never it never ends but when i got started i bro there were so many times i bumped my head like there i would go to people and say hey you know um i see you're interested in real estate um i think you have the skills to do it what do you think of work you know working with me uh some uh one lady was like hey you know i'll be your disposition manager but she wanted 50% of all my deals. I was like, that don't make sense. Like, you're not really doing 50% of the work. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I was like, uh, you wild it. You know what I mean? And then I, I told her 20%. You know, that's more than fair, 20% of all the deals. Right. And she was like, eh, not enough for me. I'm bringing more to the table. So I was like, oh, okay. Let me find somebody else. So then I hired some VAs um, to make my phone calls. Because, like, when you're scaling, you got to figure out, like, what you're good at, what works right. best for you. But also figure out what you don't want to do and, you know, hire those people to do those things. Mm -hmm. So I, I was kind of done with the initial contact, like reaching out to people all the time. So I wanted somebody else to handle that so I could do all the follow-ups and kind of maintain and then do the uh, dispositions and stuff like that. So I hired a VA team. Um, there was one person and then they, they had like a couple different people that made calls and stuff like that. Things were going well. They were giving me like five leads a day, yada, yada. But then do want to like kind of take a, a day off. He went, he went to a concert or whatever. Pre-planned all the all the employee shit. I was like, cool, whatever. You know, take the day off. But he was like, yo, my wife can make calls. I was like, word, cool, let's do it. So his wife hopped on, and um, I listened to the calls next day. And I bullshit you not, bro. She couldn't even say landmark capital. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she was, she was like struggling through the "Hey, my name is." Yeah, and I was just, I, I had to cut ties after that because I, I went back and listened to every single call dude ever made or his company ever made, and I was like, no, this, this isn't gonna work. You know, uh, yeah. we're not positioning ourselves the way we need to. So at that point in time, I went and started hiring people in office. First person I hired in office. Real, real cool dude um, in Denver. Um, I had an office up in like Westminster, way, way out on uh, West Denver. And he came out to office every day for training. You know, he was super, super um, enthusiastic. You know, he was like 22, 23 or whatever. But he also had like a good business mindset. He had, um, he actually runs a, a hip hop blog out here in Denver. And he was actually doing uh, 
wholesale real estate before me, but he never got a deal. So he got with me and uh, we started kind of rolling, you know what I mean? We were getting things going and we had some deals coming in, but we had like a couple million dollar deals on the table, oh, wow. you know, we had deals in Dallas, we had deals in Baltimore, we had deals in Colorado, but some of them deals we had to learn weren't deals. Okay. You know what I mean? Right, we got right, a right. contract and nobody wanted to buy them. So right. it was just, damn, like, what are we doing? And I could feel his, like, his uh, motivation kind of waning, you know what I mean, yeah. slowly on. So that's why I encourage people, like, deal discernment is such a such a huge thing. you got to know what a deal is um, or at least understand what it looks like in your market before you start sending them out because you'll ruin your credibility by sending out a bunch of bullshit to people and you'll wonder why the buyers that you built and cultivated aren't getting back to you. It's because the right. deals you send shit, you're wasting their time, you know what I mean? So um, that all happened in September. Like, I hired him in August. That all happened in September, October. And then November, we actually closed three deals. He closed one on his own. Um, I didn't really have a lot of faith in it, but it was, like, literally down the street from the office. He was driving in and said, yo, I think this could work. He pulled the the, um, the guy's name. You know what I mean? He, he reached out to him first. He made the deal. He found the buyer. Everything. And I was like, bro, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you, you fucking here now. Um, and that day, I mean, um, we closed, we probably found that deal like early November. We closed at the uh, end of November, probably like uh, first week of December, probably like the 7th or something like that. Bro, I gave him $11,700 and I was like one of the happiest days of my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, <laughs> I, I went to the bank. I was like, yo, meet me at the bank, bro. I'm going to cash you out. The bank yeah. was like, you sure you want to take out like 13 grand? I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then well, we was right there. We was in Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek is like the bougie part of um of uh, Denver. Like there's like the Hermes store, the Gucci store, all that okay. shit is over there. We was screaming, hooting and hollering like, yeah, we did it. We did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, was, bro, it was an incredible feeling. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, he, he got on the flip, man. You know what I mean? Like all types of shit. He was getting notoriety. My boy was blowing up. So I was, I was super, super, super happy for him. And then at that point in time, we started hiring more people. And, you know, then I was like, okay, shit started happening. <laughs> I started realizing what people worked for me and what people didn't. Because mm -hmm. my man, who I got the deal and, you know, we're still doing other business and stuff like that. He started getting a little tired of me, right? Like, I noticed he would, like, kind of push back on, certain, on the way I wanted to do certain things or how I wanted to talk to certain sellers or how I handle certain deals. And he started wanting to do his own thing, you know what I mean? Which yeah. I encourage. I told him from the beginning, I was like, bro, you're not going to be here forever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know you might be here for a year, year and a half, six months, two years if I'm lucky. But I want you to go do your own thing eventually. I'm, I completely encourage that. Um, but we just couldn't talk, you know what I mean? We lost right, that communication. Right. He's a yeah. Capricorn, I'm a Leo. We, we was button heads, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and eventually he was just like, he, he kind of cussed me out one time. I was like, bro, you fired. He was like, good. Yeah. And he ain't closed a deal since. He closed one. Actually, yeah. I still, he don't think I watched him. I still watch him. He closed, we closed one like three months ago. And okay. I was super happy for him. Yeah. But it's been a while, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's kind of how the game goes. So at that point, I started realizing what I needed and what I need to put together. Because sometimes the people that I was bringing in were like um, associates of another person. So their loyalty isn't to me. Their loyalty is the person that brought them in, right? I could be paying them. I'm their boss. I could, I could treat them well, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I need to bring people in that, one, understand the seriousness 
of this, right? You could be just talking to me. Like, I don't wear suits and shit like that, bro. Like, I'm pulling up in the crew neck. I'm pulling right. up in the hood. I'm pulling up in the in the white tee with the with the Nike shorts. So you might not take me as seriously, but this is serious business. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. if you don't recognize that, if you don't take it as seriously, I can't work with you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I need people that understand my laissez-faireness, but also understand that this is a job and we need to get shit done. You know? So things like that. Um, people that are also willing to go that extra mile. People that kind of understand things first time you say them, you know? Of course, you're going to have people that you have to train and help them understand who you are and, like, how you um, delegate things and how you move and how you talk. But at the same time, those people that get it the first time, like, I hired a, a VA for my cleaning company I'm working with now. Mm -hmm. uh, her name is Kaz. And, bro, the first time I hired her, she was on point, like, answering questions, uh, reaching out to set, uh, clients and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she would jump to finding a solution as opposed to telling me there's a problem. Right. You know what I mean? That's somebody that you want to continue to work with yep. and continue to nurture. So it took me a long time. Bro, I've hired so many people. I've done so many interviews. People that um, I hired one day that they're super excited. They're so thankful for the opportunity. Day two of training, they're like, yo, I can't do this. I th This isn't going to work out for me. So many people that like, sold me dreams that I don't believe them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to show me. One, there's one phase of the interview and then there's one phase of you actually working. There's two different people sometimes. So I don't believe everything that you tell me at the interview. I need to see you on that first day of work putting in the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. So, yeah, that, like, it's a lot of growing up on my aspect, you know, because, uh, you know, employees can sell you dreams and you want to believe the people that you're hiring. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you don't want to be like an asshole to them and say, no, you got to earn it and all this stuff. But it's important to let them like hit these milestones, have okay. that carrot in front of them to keep them motivated, keep them pushing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. all that stuff, that, leader, uh, that leadership, that motivation, but also growing as a man and how I like see things and see people. Man, it's amazing. When I Sometimes I sit back and think about the things that, you know, are paying our bills that are, you know, helping us pay our family's bills. Things that are important like this, real estate, nutrition, learning about the stock market. These things are not... You know, these things that, you know, we're we're on the path to building generational wealth, but these things are not taught to us at an early age through grade school. You know, we have to teach. These things that we're learning now is self-taught, you know. It's not something that we, that was ingrained in us. Like the, the concept, the ideology of entrepreneurship and working for ourselves, that may have been ingrained, but the right way to go about it and, you know, understanding certain fields of, you know, what's for you and what may not be for you. All this is new knowledge that we're obtaining. You know what I'm saying? So I got to give a shout out to you, my guy, because, you know, to build an empire like this, especially in the game, that's not is not too many of us. You know, there's not too many mentors you can go to and say, man, I'm, I want to do this, that and the third. Can you please mentor me and give me some guidance? There's none of that. Dog, I'll tell you what, man. Um, at no point in this entrepreneurship journey have I had like a real like model or guide or mentor to say, hey, yo, keep going this way. Or, you know, you should probably think about this. Or, no, you, you're doing it right. You should keep going. You know, none right. of that, bro. It's all been pure resistance. Uh, that's why I look at myself as a first generation entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Like, um, I had to kind of break that, that, that wave. For, for my family because my family is all 
it, my family is strictly like a military family. Like you, you work nine to five, you get your degree. You know, that's that's kind of how we move. And, and I was never yeah. with that. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of had yeah. to do yeah. it differently. So within that, bro, I bumped my head so many times, dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's just that's just kind of the game that I signed up for. But it, it does hurt. You know what I mean? Like um, the 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 pain, the scars. But all of that stuff is like building your intestinal fortitude. All that shit is very yep. important. We talked about the, the the scars that MJ went through, Brady, Kobe, Braun. All of these scars yep. are, are important to get to greatness. They're prerequisite. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go through yep. that to get this. You have to. So, like, I, 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 you asked me earlier, like, how did I make it through that six, seven months, bro? I take it, I take it in stride. And it's not all easy. It's not all smiles. You know what I mean? Like, a boy done broke down, you know what I mean? Cried, all that shit, bro. Yeah. Because like I knew where I wanted to go. And even though I wasn't there, I knew I, I knew where I wanted to go. And I wasn't gonna let anybody else tell me or let life circumstances dictate for me. You know what I mean? Um one of my favorite uh Jay Z bars on um um You Don't Know, he said, Um, I was born to dictate. You know what I mean? Like, fuck all that, bro. I was, yeah. I was born to dictate. So that's something that, that yeah. sticks to me. You feel me? So, yeah, bro, I, I appreciate you saying that, man. It, it's been a long time coming, and uh, this is just the beginning. Hell I'm just yeah. so happy to be Hell here, yeah, to be man. honest So I don't want to hold you up too much. I know we're getting close to that time, man. So can you give, you know, I know you got a course too, right? So shout, shout out the course. Shout out the oh, you know, website. All that yeah, good stuff, Yeah, yeah. So um, I do. I got a virtual uh, real estate guide. Um, if you want it, just um, DM me. Um, my Twitter is uh, get right C W uh, R I T E. Um, same as Instagram, get right C. Just DM me. You know, reach out to me. Say, hey, you know, I, I'm looking for that course. How can I get that course? I, uh, anybody that reach, reaches out to me on this, um, I sell the course to you for twenty five dollars. You know what I mean? Real easy, real light. It's got SMS in there. It's got a, a, a script in there. It's also got a breakdown of like a wholesale dictionary, so wholesale terms that you can learn, real estate terms and stuff like that. Wholesale one on one acquisitions breakdown, dispositions breakdown, how to talk to buyers, how to talk to sellers, how to analyze deals. A lot of value, you know what I mean? $25. So just hit hit me up in the DMs at Get Ricey. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Christian Harris, the real estate mogul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, Nash. Appreciate you, boy. No, no doubt, get- man. <laughs> we we, we got to continue to support Uphold each other, uplift each other, man. Do whatever we can because in the end, we all we got. And nobody yes, coming to save us, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we got to start with us. You know what I mean? So keep doing, keep doing what you're doing, my brother. You know what I mean? Everything Thank that you, you got going on from the from the wealth to pushing the message to just living like a righteous man. You know what I mean? Like Thank all you. that shit is important, bro. I appreciate so keep, that, keep bro. I appreciate yes, that a lot, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Do Something Good Today podcast brought to you by Everybody's Juice, and we are out.